ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Red Voices Manchester United podcast, where this week we learnt never to say that we'll do a four-person podcast because, like United succeeding under Louis van Gaal, it might seem plausible, but it really happens. Bit of a nothing week after last weekend's Wembley heroics, with United drawing with Leicester, stalling their title party, but not doing us much good at all in our race for a top-four spot. But, on the bright side, Rich and Kev are both here to chat with me about another... Oh, well, interesting week, shall we say. Rich, how would you rate yourself on the sexual masochism scale? Not not as highly as Lou Van Hal and Fellaini, apparently. He seemed quite knowledgeable, he did, didn't he? He did seem to know all of the terms and, mm. and practices. Kev, same question. Wait, hang on, where's Paul? <laughs> did you not know Paul's not He heard here? you were coming on and said no. he wasn't going to even do it. <laughs> Is that a, well? Anyway, to answer your question, uh, that's not a, that's not really a scale I'm familiar being associated with. I'm familiar. I'm comfortable being associated with. Uh, I would say I'm off the scale, but not in a positive way that it's usually meant when you say that. Okay, fair enough. Uh, that's a, an, again a, a measured response. I think you guys have been very careful with this at the moment. <laughs> very interesting. Oh gosh, what? An, it, I mean. He's had a very, very interesting weeks for words that have been removed from his mouth. The post-match press conferences, post-match interviews, pre-match press conferences. He's had a remarkable week, hasn't he, Rich? He has. The um, his his post-match, his pre-match press conference was particularly notable for a rather remarkable little diatribe where he he tried to make out that that Leicester had all these uh, all of these things in their favour, like being able to have free reign to sign players from league de and to be able to play them without the pressure of of having to perform adequately every week um in front of 76,000 people and that it wasn't fair that united had loads of money but had to compete for the best players with other clubs who also had some money and and for that reason also Leicester had a small squad but played few games and were thus able to keep them fit whereas van hal obviously had to t- take in the rigors of of the champions league um, with his larger squad, but not large enough, um, and and obviously that failed miserably. Kev, I don't know if it's just me. It just feels like he's becoming more bitter by the week at the moment. Oh, it's just a whole lot of noise, isn't it? It's 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 not. It's gone so far beyond making sense. I mean, you could look at some of the stuff he used to come out with at different points, and and even if it was a bit bizarre, you could put it down to. Maybe a language issue, just the way he was choosing to phrase his uh, questions or his answers, should I say. Sometimes you would say, right, he's deliberately avoiding one particular issue and focusing on another. You could say it's, a, you know, he's putting up distractions and things. But actually, the, la- the last couple of weeks, I don't even really know what he's trying to achieve by what he said. Because what he says is not even really, even if you were to take it as gospel truth and believe everything he said, it still doesn't cast him in a particularly good light, I think. It's just excuses, excuses, excuses now. But it's not even the kind of impassioned excuses from a man that really, really wants to turn it round and, and is scrapping for his job. It's it's a sort of tired, just surrendered pile of excuses that suggests he's, he's just not invested in it anymore. I think you're right. I, I think you look at him talking about, well, him not knowing essentially which members of his squad have been champions before. Rich and I spoke about it earlier. We were just saying that we could probably think about sort of four or five, maybe a few more of the senior players who haven't won anything major. But Van Gaal's got a squad of players, a lot of whom have won stuff. You know, Memphis just coming off the back of having won the uh, the Eredivisie over in Holland. Gosh, Schweinsteiger. Well, Schweinsteiger's never won anything in his career, so there we go. We got two World Cup winners. I mean, <laughs> I he, know, said, he, I said, he said that um, Rooney and Carrick have won perhaps one, he said. 
and the, and they've got tw- twelve Premier League titles. But God knows, and he, he, he and he said that um, De Gea had none when he he clearly does. It, it just it concerns me that after two years of being at the club, he doesn't actually know what he, any of his players have achieved in the past, either at United or elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, you'd expect us to know this sort of stuff. We'd know which of our players had won the, the Premier League and everything. And you know, I guess to a certain extent, if this was earlier on in the picture, then you could perhaps say. Alright, fair enough. He doesn't know this squad inside and out. Fair enough. But here we are. We're at the end of his second season. He still doesn't know. Not only that, that incredible discussion that he had with Ranieri on the touchline as they were just walking down the the tunnel. Ranieri saying, you're doing a fantastic job. And Van Gaal there, very, very modest, is going, I am. Oh, oh God, I wanted to vomit in my mouth. <laughs> Ranieri was quite quite clearly just being a nice man, wasn't he? Because that's what he is. He's, he's fundamentally he's a just man. a wonderful man. He was just going to say something nice to the opposition coach. Van Gaal clearly t- took it as a damn straight I am, mister. Well, look at when you're when you're when you're within a game of winning the league, you you don't really stress too much about what you say to other people. You're going to be in a good mood, aren't you? And um, but it, t- to come back to what we talked about. This whole thing that he comes out with, like we've been sort of saying for the best part, well, certainly all this season anyway, that there seemed like there was a fundamental disconnect, not just between Van Hal and his players, but between Van Hal and the fans and what he perceived to be the job on that he had on his hands at the club. And uh, a couple of months back, like way, just way at the start of the season, the guys from the Football Ramble said, they weren't so sure that he wasn't just a manager that the game had just passed by in the last couple of years. Just had uh, had just left him behind. And that, that key point probably came about four or five years ago. And I, I, I've always been worried about whether or not he cared and how much he cared. And, and is this a just a vanity project for him before he retires? Another opportunity to see what he can do, another opportunity to add something to his trophy cabinet, but it doesn't even seem to be being applied in a healthy way. Not only does he not seem to have any real clue around the gravity of the situation that we're in, um, I I think this is just another sign that there's only so invested in this whole thing that he is. I mean, it doesn't sound like a manager who is really just getting in under the skin of the club and is determined to drag this club back to he's just continuously moving the goalposts and trying to restructure and readdress and reapply different standards that are to be expected of him to suit the situation that he's in he said something really interesting to, uh, I think it was perhaps yesterday after the game he, he said that um, that he only wanted a two year contract at United and United insisted on three no, it's all United's fault. Then. Well, I know, but you, you just you know you get an idea in your head of the sort of time scale he was looking at to you know, before he retired, and he, it was going to be a very short, sharp job. And but I do wonder. You were saying we were saying earlier that um, he's looked like he's um, not particularly interested now. He doesn't really care whether what he says makes sense. And I think I said last week that I do wonder if he knows that his goose is cooked now. Um, he knows he's he knows he's had it, even if he hasn't been told to his face, um, and that he yeah. just simply doesn't really care anymore. He can't be bothered to try to, you know. Look, try to put up a pretense yeah I mean the funny thing about that two year comment is that even if you take on board the fact that he wanted two years by by, by basic standards you still have to say that he's underachieved well, it's, not, it's not even up for discussion that what we have to be careful of though when it comes to, to reading it like that I mean it's something that on a number of occasions I've looked at him and said 
he just doesn't care. He must know that he's out the door. It seems like he's just going through the motions. But, you know, we can all be very, very guilty of confirmation bias from time to time. And, and we were sure that he was within days of being of walking out the door at Christmas. So he's still here. <laughs> so until... Uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all, knowing how the sort of situation with Moyes went down, um, if he hasn't a clue that he's about to be let go, if indeed he ultimately does be. Rich, do you feel like we're any clearer to knowing what's actually going to happen at the end of the season yet? No. Um, I, I, On the one hand, I want to feel like we are playing a blinder on in this, in that, rather than the Moyes situation where everybody seemed to know before Moyes. Um, that was incredible. I'd like to think in my head that the logical um, way to handle it would be that it's kept in a very small circle so nobody actually knows and that nothing comes out until the moment that it's announced that he's he's moving on because that's what a, a well-organised organisation would do whereas we know that United really aren't or haven't in the past been particularly competent or organised in, in any any regard in the last couple of years um, and you know they can't help with the nagging feeling that we we just don't know when we're going to make this decision on the hoof at the end of the season. I, I don't think anything that United do would surprise me now. What's really concerning is the idea that we are sitting here with four games left in the season, if you include the FA Cup, and we are still going to base the future of this team on at the last couple of games. Surely, in the last two years, we've seen enough from Van Hal to know one way or the other whether we plan to stick with him next season. Because actually, when it comes to the long term and when it comes to how we'll do next season, actually whether or not we get top four this year is not going to be and shouldn't be taken as sufficient indicator as to whether he's making enough progress or not. Because we made top four last year. That didn't set us up for any better of a season this year. Um, So it's no guarantee of progress. Yes, absolutely, in terms of the targets that he is supposed to meet top four should be the absolute minimum expectation and it wouldn't surprise me if there's some sort of clause in his contract that means we can let him go if he doesn't reach it for less money but in terms of whether we have the faith in him to be the person to take this club on even just for next season I can't believe that we still haven't made our mind up I think he's either staying or he's gone but I do think the decision's already been made unless Edward Wood is just everything we, we we suspect him to be. To a certain extent, despite the fact that we, you know, habitually take the piss out of him, I would kind of hope he's got enough organisational skills in order to know what's happening, you know, by the end of this month. But I guess we'll have to see. Now we did actually play a football game this week. Uh, the reason that we actually started talking about Van Hall this evening is that that was actually a lot more interesting to discuss than drawing in Leicester, Kev. How much did that game remind you of almost every other game we've had this season? Well, it was nothing new, was it? We didn't learn anything. We actually started quite well. Um, <laughs> I wonder where we'd be in the... What happened after we started quite well, though, Kev? <laughs> I would love somebody to put... Shock me, shock me. I would love somebody to uh, put a table together and see um, what we'd look like in the league if... Um, I was going to say if we just took the first half, but actually we've had that many nil-nils at half-time that that probably wouldn't be that good either. Um, so I'm sort of scrabbling for something to say here. Uh, it's just we, we tend to go to absolute pieces in the last half hour of a game, don't we, constantly. Uh, and, and and we've usually, you know, it's doing quite well to get even that far. Um, we started well. It was a good goal by Toto, but 
as soon as as soon as we scored, that was it. Then that was it. We just didn't, never got a look in for the rest of the game, really, did we? I do think no. I do think that was our best fifteen minutes at home this season. Which I that that sounds damning in itself, doesn't it? But you know, we did look bright. There was a tempo to the ga- game. We got the early goal, which we never ever ever do at home. Um, and Tony V with the techers with that little turn inside, as opposed to just blasting the ball at someone's shin. Absolutely. You know, we could have we could have got a second. We had a couple of a couple of sort of half chances and. I think the keeper had to make a save, and then we did what we what we've done so often recently, which is we conceded a goal, which was um, particularly annoying because it was the first of a multitude of pathetic mistakes by Marcus Rocco, um, and we just seemed to fall apart—not fall apart, but we seemed to regress into our shells when we conceded. We did it. We did it. Spurs. We did it. West Brom. We did. Against Everton, we you know they they equalised and we really it looked like the, that we could have lost that game. Um, we probably would have done if we'd gone to get to extra time. We don't seem to cope well with with setbacks. We're very mentally fragile, and what what also we learned was uh, Van Hal's not prepared. I mean, it's this isn't new information, but it was just showed us again in a nutshell that Van Hal is not prepared risking to risk a, a loss for the sake of a win. We made. Three like for like substitutions were you know, and they were all made toward the end of a game that we needed to win. Like this wasn't just about stopping Leicester winning the Premier League. I mean, does the man even want to win to to get into the Champions League next season? Because we're running out of games. They look, they looked like we could have had them rocking. You know, after that goal, um, they didn't look anything special, and they they didn't look like they were going to be particularly adventurous in the game it was just so annoying giving away such a soft set piece goal um and you know once we'd regressed i think it was so comfortable for leicester um you know at least until the last 5 minutes which was a shame because i think they looked beatable i think losing vardy took, takes a lot away from them away from home yeah i mean the frustrating thing was i mean well one piece of credit where it's due at least before the wes morgan goal that sort of midfield trio of Carrick, Rooney, and Fellaini. I, I was, I had nightmares just sort of thinking about the idea of those three against a team that lives to counter attack because I just thought this is just set up so well for Leicester they're going to rip us to shreds if we haven't got the ball. I thought for the most part we actually dealt with it really well. The problem came when we tried to force the issue to end the game because Van Hart to make those three substitutions because we were moving the ball around so slowly until those substitutions happened. Our pressure came too late. That formation wasn't good enough to get the extra goal we needed and then obviously had to change. Sure, it started off well, but as soon as that goal went in, our confidence dropped, started playing it around a bit slower, stopped creating chances and it took late substitution to spark us into life again. And the thing is, like any other manager with that much to play for, because somehow we still have a good amount to play for this season if it comes to the di- when we're looking at the difference between making top four or not we're still in the discussion or we're at this point and any manager in the league would have had another striker on or would have made some sort of of really assertive change to the approach but i mean ferguson would have had three strikers on me- 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 <laughs> yeah, and, and memphis should have been on soon shouldn't he he came on too late. Memphis should have started, but yeah. don't get me started on that. We're going to get into that. <laughs> we will do, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you sounded so defeated there, Kev. Oh, bless you. Has he broken you now? Oh, I've been broken a long time. <laughs> no. I, 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 I've gone full circle. I, 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 he, he broke me about Christmas, and 
I've actually somehow managed to, managed to morbidly enjoy a couple of the games since then, but now it's just all hit me again in a big wallop. <laughs> well, well, well let, let, let's look at Memphis. I mean, the guy that's been starting ahead of him for the most part, obviously Memphis would rather be on the left, which is where Marshall tends to play, but you know, Lingard's been keeping him out of the lineup for a lot of the last couple of months. You know, we had that uh, that low shot that Schmeichel Jr. saved on the near post before uh, Wes Morgan scored the equaliser, and then Danny Simpson did well to sort of jostle them out of position when they were one on one when he got that decent block. But again, you know, you guys said it. What is Jesse doing that is so much better than what Memphis can offer that is keeping him in the side? You know, prim- primarily it's just the off the ball work, which just speaks so much to what Van Hal wants of his players, you know, putting that extra effort in, which I get to a certain extent, Memphis can be quite terrible when he doesn't have the ball. You know, you've only got to look at, you know, that Chelsea goal, which, all right, fair enough. I wouldn't say that was his fault, but his reaction to losing the ball wasn't stellar. But the frustrating thing about Memphis, I mean, you know, we'll get into his sort of long-term future because I know it's been a subject of speculation this week. But the frustrating thing about him, apart from that absolutely terrible free kick, and Kev, I know you were thinking the same thing, don't give it to Memphis. <laughs> um, it was just that he came on. Obviously, you've got to take into consideration the fact that Leicester were tiring. So he's got fresh legs, he's fast, he's strong, and he'll, he'll cause some damage. But I just don't see at the minute what is keeping him out of the lineup. Daniel Story from Football 365 um, tweeted something fairly insightful about Lingard. He, I think Martin Tyler described him as persistent, and, and Daniel said that um, Jesse Lingard is called persistent in 80% of the games I watch, which is a euphemism for not being good enough. You know, it, it's, a, it's a reasonable point. You know, he, you said Lingard works really hard. That's, what, that's generally what we say about players who aren't particularly technically gifted, isn't it? Or, you know, because he, he works really hard. You know, it must be very difficult. There are a few positions as well. You know, the other left backs or players who could play a left back must be looking at Rocco and thinking, how the hell is that guy staying in the team? He hasn't been as bad as Rocco, but to a degree, you could say the same with Lingard. And it's bemused me all season why Van Gaal hasn't tried to play Memphis on the on the right hand side. Um, I mean, I appreciate he can't come inside and cut inside and shoot, but he's he's surely got more to his game than that. Um, and in terms of in terms of attacking attendant and flair. It's surely, it's surely worth trying it once just to see what he could do. Well, it it comes, it comes down to this. There are a number of players in the United squad that, for reasons unknown to me, can do nothing wrong, and and then there's another collection of players that can do nothing right, and and Memphis is one of them, and it's. He's got a record here, Van Hal. I mean, yes, you can point to his career and you can point to the, you know, attacking players that have done well under his tutelage. Yes, you, you, there is certainly evidence to support that, and you can point to Martial and say, well, look how much of an attacking threat he is. Look how, you know, how much he's been released to to run at players, to really drive at them, and and to have a go, but. It doesn't take a genius to work out, even from a distance, that both Martial and Memphis are two completely different personalities. And when it comes to these more maverick, risk-taking, inconsistent players, Van Hal very much seems to load the idea of giving them the forum to make mistakes. He's got a record, especially if you look at his track record at United, he won't get much change out of attacking players. As a general rule, in summary, my sort of feeling about De- Depay is, 
with the exception of Martial, he's got more natural ability than anybody else in the squad, and he can't show it from the bench. And the thing is as well, Van Hall Van Hall knows it. Van Hall knows him. He knows his character. He knows his attributes. You know, he bought him having managed him for Holland and taken him to World Cup. So this wasn't this wasn't a guy that he was he was buying from having watched him four or five times and on the recommendation of scouts. This is a guy he knew everything about and he's he's brought him to United and then abjectly failed to get anything like the performances out of him which his talent suggests he should be able to produce if not every game then on a reasonably consistent basis and you know he's done that he did I appreciate it's a completely different standard but you can you could tell from the range of his goals um, and the attributes that he showed in Holland that he has a lot of a lot of ability and the thing is if you if you compare him to Lingard as well I mean Lingard yes undoubtedly offers more off the ball there's no there's no question about it and he has had a number of key moments, such as that goal against Chelsea and moments like that, where he's actually come through at a, at a pivotal moment and scored the goal or set up the goal or what have you. But there's no way that he's made less mistakes or, you know, if, if you compare him to Memphis, he makes the same kind of mistakes when it comes to, you know, trying to beat a player when he should be passing it shooting when he should be trying to be you know just all these kind of decisions Lingard makes these kind of decisions and makes the wrong decision just as much if not more than Memphis does when he's on the pitch but for some reason he doesn't get criticized for it and and it just like fair enough he, he we don't know what goes on behind closed doors so I'm assuming here but if you take evidence of if you take the fact that he's continuing to play as evidence of Van Hal's faith in him why such faith in Jesse Lingard and such lack of faith in Memphis? Because the his output is no better. There's a similar there's a similar um, dynamic you could you could argue with with Fossi Mensa that I appreciate he's only eighteen and he's coming through, but he's got. Also, just stop you there, Rich. How frustrated were you to see Fossi Mensa dropped after his performance against Everton? It's a shame. I I I can see some some logic in easing him in gently, but. You you can also see that with with Fossi Mensa he he clearly has a, so much ability, but because of his age, he's he's quite erratic and he perhaps doesn't follow instruction, instructions quite as um, closely as as he's supposed to. But we've talked about um, LVG show, giving opportunities to young players before, but what seems to happen, ex- with the exception of Rashford, really, because there's not anybody else to come in, is that when he's steady. Older players come back as Valencia has; they come straight back into the team. What he's done, what he seems to do, is he 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 picks steady Eddies who follow his instructions, and Valencia is very much that over um, taking a risk and playing somebody who might not do exactly what they're told, might win you a game or it might cost you a goal, but he he can't cope with that uncertainty of um, of outcome. I don't think, um, and so. You know that to a degree, I think, explains some of the other players that he clearly doesn't trust. Um, someone like Herrera, who who obviously tries to pass the ball forwards too much, take play, you know, take, go forward with the ball, leave spaces behind him. And I think that's to a degree his um, his thinking. And you know, I think he likes Rocco at left back because he perceives him wrongly, but perceives him to be a defender, uh, you know, a, a proper a proper defender. Um, 
and 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 kind of experienced and steady. And I think to a degree that's what it's about. And Lingard just does what he's told to do. Memphis doesn't. Herrera doesn't necessarily all the time. Fossi Mensa doesn't. Uh, I suspect Pereira and Janas I don't, which is why they're locked in a dungeon somewhere. Um, with with Varela, he had a poor game against Liverpool, and off he went, and he's never been seen again. And, and it, I think he does come down to that. It comes down to who does exactly what Van Gaal wants him to do. And if you don't, then you can just go and rot in a dungeon somewhere. So I don't think we should be talking too much about dungeons, giving what Van Gaal was talking about after the Leicester match, to be honest. But uh, fair each their own. Uh, <laughs> oh, fair enough. <laughs> Kev, how disappointed would you be? I mean, th- there's been a story in the mirror over the weekend about uh, United being uh, happy to offload him at this stage. Now, I'm not going to give that story the benefit of the doubt because it didn't really say enough about why Memphis would be let go or what is actually going on behind the scenes. It was more sort of prospective piece that I can tell anyway. But, you know, hypothetically, how much of a loss would it be and how disappointing would it be for you know Memphis to be pushed out or leave a year into his contract? Well, in terms of how much of an actual loss it would be, it, it that's a difficult one to measure because the truth of it is we don't know. We we know the player he could be, um, but if we were to sell him and let him go already, um, we'll never find out whether he will actually be that player for us or not. And it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him be very successful elsewhere because that kind of talent doesn't just disappear overnight. Uh, It would be far more disappointing from the point of view of what it tells us about the management structure we have at the club, the people making those kind of decisions. And it would be a real hit to my faith that we would be able to bring in any attacking players of that ilk in the future and get the best from them. It might seem a bit dramatic given the success of Tony Martial, but there's a little bit of whilst we have this regime, what's the point in signing certain types of players because they're not going to be used or implemented or released in the right way. So it would be confirming that sort of concern if he was to go and it would be a terrible shame to give up on such a talented player after one difficult year yeah I mean in particular I look back to that game yesterday and his input from that sort of last 10 minutes and you know doing so well to get inside of Johnny Drinkwater and you know pulling out the foul that I think Michael Oliver kind of bottled it to some extent didn't he given that free kick on the edge of the area it definitely looked like it was a penalty I mean the red card was the right decision even if the contact wasn't incredibly high but at the same time I still get this sense from Memphis that he can offer a lot more and I I keep thinking about what will happen should someone else come in in the summer say Mourinho for the sake of argument I can really see him flourish under someone else I think you could say about quite a few of our players couldn't you on the broader point that Kev just made I you know I'm at the point now where I think I would I would struggle to be excited about any signing we make this summer you know part part of what fuels us over the summer when we haven't actually got any football to to watch is the potential for further excitement and further uh, improvement of the team down the line for, for the next season and, and you know part and parcel of that is the players who come in and after two summers of having been incredibly excited about someone like you know like Di Maria coming in and again Depay you know one that we we were all quite excited about at the time. I would struggle. We could sign Messi this summer. 
and I, I think I'd struggle to be too uh, to get overexcited about the whole thing because I wouldn't trust Van Gaal to be able to get um, the best out of any any attacking player or sort of mercurial talent that we signed. I was having a conversation with someone on Twitter. We were talking about the success of Van Gaal's signings in general, and I I would say that you could probably say you could certainly say that Martial's been a wonderful success and Blint has been really good value for money but after that I, I don't think anybody's performed far above average for most of the season um, those that have actually been given a chance and that the, it's quite telling that the Van Hull seems to have actually lost faith in quite a few of his own signings you know if the, if, if the current regime stays in place it's very very hard to get excited about anything we do in the summer transfer market well, given who we've brought in the last couple of years, players we look forward to seeing, you know, the likes of Herrera and Di Maria and Memphis, I would say out of all of the interesting creative slash attacking talent that we brought through, the only one that's shown a shred of consistency so far is Martial. 50th goal of the season at the weekend. Oh, my word. I mean... <laughs> What would this season be like without him? It's very difficult to imagine. Just, I mean, it definitely could be a lot worse for a start. But that's one player that definitely gives me hope for United going forward, provided we can keep hold of him. I think one of the things is the things you look at now is you see, obviously, it's a player, the uh, the United Player of the Year awards tonight, and people have been discussing, you know, who who the winners would be, and in reality, there are there are two players. In Marshall and De Gea, you know, probably De Gea will win it by by a mile. But two players in Marshall and De Gea, and after that, there's blue sky. You know, perhaps Blint somewhere in the middle, and then there's nobody else that's even vaguely shown enough. You know, I think if you you could you could ask with either of them if if we'd lost to De Gea to to Real or hadn't signed Martial, God only knows where we'd be. So, Kev, moving on from that game. At some point, I think it was around four o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday, I think we all very much felt like uh, top four was done. Uh, Arsenal had managed to scrape a uh, a rather lucky 1-0 win against Norwich. But for some reason, because between ourselves, Arsenal and City, neither of us seems quite sure whether or not we want a top four spot, we are still somehow in the race. I, I, I'm still astounded by City's... Utter, utter incompetence in this Premier League season. It's it's unbelievable. It's three teams trying to out shamble each other on a weekly basis, and you know, I got to give credit to City and Arsenal for sticking with us throughout the season because we have set a new level. Um, it's a damning indictment of the quality of the hitherto established top four teams this season um, and an absolute sign of just how inconsistent everyone's been it's going to be a case of who stumbles over the line first I wouldn't be surprised in the last three games if we all drop more points and it'll probably go down until the last day no, of the season no. and City will probably get the win they need well I mean this, this is how it works out if City fail to win at the weekend against Arsenal and we win our three games we're going to finish in the top four yeah but we won't win our, all our three games I, I, I can't get my head around well, alright alright well, well fair enough it was a hypothetical Kev I know fair enough well it's not going to happen alright but well I mean I guess we have got three football games to play and we're not the best <laughs> at winning those but still the fact that it's still 
still, still a possibility after drawing it when we said we needed to win these last four games, despite Van Gaal clearly at some point tactically in terms of what he was doing with United on the pitch, deciding, I'm not really sure we could lose this one, so I think maybe a draw would be all right. City's incompetence has been staggering. That that's yeah, That squad been. is by a country mile the best, the best in the Premier League, and... I'm kind of surprised that they haven't been ripped to shreds a bit more because the, the amount of money they spent. I mean, De Bruyne has been by far their best signing. They, they've signed a lot of dross over the last couple of years. All right, they're doing very well in the Champions League. They're one game away from the final should they get a result in midweek at the Bernabeu. Great, yet won the League Cup. But underperforming so drastically in the league in such a terrible season, I, I still can't get my I head around I think you've it. got a lot of players there who have already won the league with City at least once quite an old squad isn't it you know look the most of their key players are somewhere between 28 and 32 and it seems to me that they've lost that little bit of hunger to win the premier league but they they refined it in the champions league which they haven't they haven't won yet and it just seems to me that a lot of them are coasting through the league season and and they're just focusing on on the champions league and it would be i don't think it'll happen but it would be beyond hilarious if they if they manage to finish fifth and I miss out on the Champions League once uh, with with Guardiola coming in. I think they actually, in terms of PR, I think they managed the season quite well because by announcing Guardiola so early, it created a a positive um, a positive storyline where there was plenty to criticise and there has been plenty to criticise. But in everyone's heads, whatever happens now doesn't matter too much because Guardiola is coming in the summer and boy is it going to be good next year um, so you know from that perspective I think that's why they're getting away with it to a degree because of the Champions League and because they because of the Guardiola factor in the summer um, and, and uh, you know United have perhaps suffered um, in in the in the opposite way in that we just have uncertainty and so when they're in times of uncertainty, you know all the mistakes that the team are making they're magnified because there's nothing else. To, there's no more certainty to write about. Plus, um, Pe- Pellegrini uh, gets a lot more sort of credit with the British press because, generally speaking, he's not made as much of an en- enemy of them as Van Hal has. Um, some of the way that he's treated some of the people in the press, you know, say what you want about it. Um, I'm not surprised that they're sort of gleefully rubbing their hands at his. Uh, Lack of success, if that makes sense. But, I mean, look, it, it, the whole sort of top four race, for want of a better term, has been such a shambles this year that I don't think we can even really consider it too much of an achievement if we do somehow manage to scrape it. I don't think anybody's excited about it, are they? In, in an arsenal style nobody's nobody's particularly... You know, I don't think anybody would celebrate for well, the top four. The Champions League was a whole barrel of laughs for us this year, wasn't it? I mean, <laughs> it was, you know. Yeah, I mean, people have made the point that even if we get into the Champions League, we're so seemingly ill-equipped to deal with it. I mean, if we couldn't get through this year's group stages, then, you know, should we manage to get away from the qualifying round this coming summer? God knows what awaits us from you know September to December time. We could absolutely ruin it again. We don't look very well equipped to deal with it, even if we do get into it. But having said that, the prospect of going for that as opposed to another year in the Europa League, uh, I would take buggering up in the Champions League and dropping to the Europa League than starting the Europa League any day of the week. Well, that's not saying much, to be fair. It doesn't look like we've got any choice, does it? I can't see a scenario where we can manage to screw up being in the Europa League. So in terms of screwing up qualifying for the Europa League, um, you know, we, we're we going to finish fifth or sixth, I think, after Liverpool's surrender at Swansea at the weekend and even failing that we've got the cup final as our shot so 
I think we have to resign ourselves to playing gazillions of games against teams from Azerbaijan and Moldova and probably not doing very well against them. That's all right. I mean, we've got a big squad. Oh, oh wait. But under Jose, I'm sure it'll all be completely different. There was a there was a point when I didn't want Jose at all, but now I don't, I'm not sure how I'll cope if he doesn't come in. Um, I, just because if he doesn't come in, I think it'll be Van, me and Van Hollis staying. Uh, so it's it's mad how attached you come you become to an idea just on the basis of well, at least it would be a positive change in some form. We've backed ourselves into a corner, haven't we? Because if we'd made the decision to sack Van Hollis in December. We could have taken some time. We could have either got Mourinho in then or taken some time to get the right coach in for this summer. Um, but by leaving it for so long we've and, and missing out on the Champions League, which could have potentially very serious financial consequences if it happens again next season, we've backed ourselves into a corner where we need Mourinho. Now, this actually works in quite well with the first question of the night, which is from Johnny Clerkin at Goodlow. Oh, yeah. Oh, good old yeah. Gil. Oh, good old Gil. Oh, sorry, Johnny. That was an absolute butchering of you. Well, I do apologise. Yes, absolutely. I've got skills. Uh, why have you allowed uh, Van Hal to cloud the large neon warning lights that guard against hiring Jose? Hoping for short-sighted success. Now, in terms of uh, discussions that I had with Johnny, Johnny was also very good and reminded me about the many, many, many things that Jose has done in the last couple of years which have not been so uh, wonderful. Jose's behaviour is not exemplary by any stretch of the imagination. You know, a flammable character, shall we say. I think part of the reason that the three of us at this stage, and I think I can speak for all three of us based on what we just said, the reason that we're looking at Jose and looking past his faults, looking past the fact that he's got you know, a very volatile personality in some certain situations, is because that has to be better than what we're getting from Van Hal. We know at this stage what we will get if we sign on for another season of this. And to be quite frank it will do a gigantic amount of damage. That There is nothing good to be had from keeping Van Gaal for another year based on what we see this year, regardless of what happens between now and the end with, of May. With Jose Mourinho, with Jose Mourinho, you've got a guaranteed measure of success to whatever degree you want to you want to sort of read into it. With Van Gaal, there's a guaranteed measure of failure at this point. Mourinho has only ever left one club, not in the top three in their respective divisions. Um, his Real Madrid side won the Champions League the next year he left Inter as treble winners he left Porto having won everything he could win there he he left Chelsea in third place which at that point was considered to be um, meltdown for them but they had a team who went on to be relatively successful over the the next few years Um, so really this last Chelsea job is the only job where he's left a club a really sizeable mess and I think if you're looking at sample sizes, then whether he whether he leaves under a cloud or whether he leaves um, triumphantly, he always leaves uh, with this this time accepted. He always leaves a very strong squad. Stay I, there. I'll, I'll absolutely take some short term success. Just you know, at this point, that'd be nice. Kev at Charlinado asks, why was there no infamous fallback change when Rocco was evidently so poor? The so was in capitals, by the way. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't. I did really tweet don't. out that I thought that the reason that Rocco's been in the side for last month was that he saved Van Hal's life. I don't know. I mean, why? Why would you not put? Why has as Cameron Borthwick Jackson not come back in? Just why? Um, why has any of the number of players that could do a serviceable job at left back not playing ahead of Rocco at the moment? It's 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 baffling. It's utterly 
utterly baffling and football masochism look i mean it's i've been banging the drum for a while now saying that van hal is unlikely to pick a youngster ahead of a senior professional when given the choice on a regular basis especially when it comes to some of the key positions in defense and in midfield um and you know look look at this here now rojo has been stealing a wage for the last couple of months and any number of younger players would definitely do a better job than he's been doing um so and not burning toast as well if instagram <laughs> yes yeah, so yeah i don't i don't know is the answer um but yeah. i as you said a couple of weeks back you and um you know van hal has such a high level of thinking around these things that it's actually started to convince us that we know more about football so uh, Vikash Patil asks, I get the excitement around Mourinho, but unless the recruitment improves, will he be fighting a losing battle? Um, well, I, I think if you bring in Mourinho, is it fair to assume that recruitment will improve exponentially as well? It certainly feels like it would I, I at think, this stage. I think certain players who are affiliated to a particular agent would suddenly become incredibly available. Um, now, whether that's something we want or not, I don't know, but you have to say that agent does have a number of very talented players in his stable um, so there are pros and cons to that I would say yeah and also the fact that in the same way that Van Hal was naturally going to attract bigger players than someone like David Moyes or Ryan Giggs if he was in the manager's seat so Jose Mourinho will attract bigger more, more established players that want an opportunity to play under him and also you know recruitment needs to improve absolutely but there's a whole measure of things that need to improve there's there's a whole range of things of which one is recruitment and yeah just it's it's just one aspect i think i'd be i'd i'd happily believe that we would be at least targeting the right players should Mourinho come in because there is no way that he would fail again as a united manager to bring in a, a an established centre back, a you know, a, a recognised right winger that can play on a consistent basis and, you know, a midfield general. There's just there's just no way he'd leave us with such a weak spine. That'd be good. Uh just just to just to poke a little bit of a hole in that argument about Mendes bringing in a better quality of player, you do know who Marcos Rojo's agent is, don't you? Oh I do. I I said you know, I said he has some some players of, of the requisite quality in his <laughs> stable some. and oh, okay. and some who who, who probably are not um, but you'd hope that he'd at, given his special relationship with Mourinho you hope he'd, he'd throw him some of the some of the good ones but then having said that he threw him Falcao last summer so and that was that was the, the biggest of hospital passes possible wasn't it so oh, I misread him out to a certain extent but not for anything he did on the pitch no. bless him Kev that James boy asks will Arsenal beat City and if they do and it allows us to get fourth Will you be in a shittier mood than if we finished fifth? Well, no, no, of course not. No, no, absolutely yeah. not. If we get if we get fourth, then I'm, obviously I'll still want Van Gaal to go and change what we need at the club. But I, I don't think I'll I'll be in a terrible, terrible mood because of it. I'd much rather get fourth than fifth. Well, I'd, I'd be astonished at this point if Van Gaal's future was hinging on whether he got fourth or not. I think the only thing it's deciding is how soon he leaves. Um, if I'm honest with you, um, so. Ideally, if I'm being optimistic, I want us to get fourth so that the next manager next year can play Champions League football. That'd be nice. Rich, what do you reckon? I think I'd echo what, what Kev said, although I'm I, I'm feeling quite ambivalent about the idea of finishing fourth. 
I um I just I can't I can't get emotionally invested in it. It's just such a pathetic position to have got ourselves in, really. So you say that, but if we end up at home to Bournemouth in a couple of weeks' time, last day of the season, and it hinges on us winning to get top four, you tell me you won't be even slightly interested. I think that will come down to the fact that I can't. I've tried and I can't watch United and not hope that we score and not hope that we win. Um, I think I'd be more invested in us winning that particular game than than getting top four because. And I do still. I know. I know everything that Kev said was was uh, laced with logic um, with regards to Van Hal going, regardless of what happens. But there's just this little devil in the, on, on my shoulder saying that perhaps we just haven't decided and we're waiting to see what happens with that. Um, and I just I can't I can't face another year of this. <laughs> it's just it's too horrible to think about. Well, at least we're not Villa fans. No, nope. all things are relative, aren't they? No, that's very true. I, I guess for for us having you know for United fans having watched the season, it doesn't the the thought of another year of this this sort of stagnation and perhaps or to a certain extent sort of planning and quality and stature and our ability, it it just doesn't bear thinking about really, does it? It's not something that I don't think anyone at the club really wants. And if they are, then they are. If they really want Van Hal to stick around for another year, then that must be on a personal level as opposed to a footballing level because there's nothing on the pitch that should keep him here anymore. Nothing. Right, gentlemen, unless you've got anything else to add, that is it. Thank you very much for your questions. Kev, where can the people find you on Twitter? At Kev underscore L for Lima, T for Tango. Ah, very, very professional. Rich, where can those same people find you? At Richard Can 76 guys uh, if you're not following us already you can find us on most android apps so we're on podbeam we're on beyond pod you can find us on itunes or the podcast app leave a review or give us a rating that'd be excellent and we're also on soundcloud as well thank you very much for listening thank you very much for keeping in touch this week and we will speak to you after the game at norwich on saturday have an excellent week bye bye